Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Have you heard the news that there is actually an act sitting in the Senate right now called the National Strategy for Social Connection Act. It's in the Senate committee. It would create a federal office to combat loneliness and isolation. I'm appalled at the fact that we are at this point where we're trying to combat loneliness and isolation with an entire office dedicated to this. Let's be clear, we don't need a government office to combat loneliness. We need God and we need to get over ourselves. And I'll say that again. We need God and we need to get over ourselves. I need to get over myself. You need to get over yourself. It's true. Life is uncomfortable. People are difficult. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. And it's difficult to live with me sometimes. And I imagine for you as well. I'm difficult to talk to sometimes. I rub people wrong. In fact, Often I rub people wrong very often, not just in my personal life, but even on the topics that people here discussed here on Trending. You and I need to understand ourselves from a place of our fallen nature as the cause for the problem surrounding loneliness and isolation. Let's be frank. Let's really be frank that loneliness and isolation is getting worse. We can look at this statistically in terms of what happened with COVID, the disconnect in terms of people interacting with, an- with one another, the increase of living our lives in the metaverse, even though we're not living in the metaverse yet, in many respects we are. We're living online, we're living in teenagers, middle school kids, younger children living day in and day out, hours at a time online. We're talking about eight and 12 and 15 hours a day And that's not including just basic use for school that kids might be using technology. I don't need to explain this to you. We need God and we need to get over ourselves. I don't have to explain to you how lonely and isolated we are. Think about it. Aging population with no family or estranged from family or at extreme distances. People are more happy at work than at home. Men and women are mourning their single years. Women in particular are longing for children and facing the pain of not being able to have them or not yet or not having a spouse in order to do so. And they're trying to solve that problem with third party reproductive technology. Children, teenagers wish they had more time with their parents. I could go on and on. Some people say, why can't we all just get along? a great question. Why can't we all just get along? Well, look in the mirror. That's what I have to do when things aren't going how I want or how feels good to me. 
look in the mirror. That's the reality of our fallen human nature. People like to blame the sexual revolution, and you know me, I'm all about talking about the sexual revolution, human sexuality, and the damage it's done to the individual person, the death of the baby, and the destruction of family. But let's get the bigger picture. We've turned our back on God. We need God and we need to get over ourselves. Jesus Christ transforms society by his example, his sacrifice, his abounding grace, his commandments, and ultimately all of this summarized in the blueprint for the human person, for our bodies. We need God. We want God. But the problem is, is in our current society, we want, quote, freedom. People have believed for couple hundred years now in the American dream. And the American dream is stamped with that word freedom. You travel abroad, people hear you're from America. Historically, it used to be a lot of excitement. Ah, the people who are free. But what do we think that freedom means? We tend to think that it's freedom to do whatever we want. To say no. And saying no, canon is a good thing at the right time, but freedom is for a purpose. Freedom is for the purpose of doing what God created us to do. And out of love for us, he created us with a human nature that could lead the individual, you and I, to freely choose not to follow him. But that wasn't what freedom was for. Freedom was for us to know, love, and serve God. And so as I look at this news, and I know this came out earlier this summer, but I was really thinking about it today as it sits in a Senate Judiciary Committee, I think it's the Homeland Security Committee or something like that, this National Strategy for Social Connection Act, literally creating funding for a federal department and office to combat loneliness and isolation. We need Christians to combat loneliness and isolation by the grace of God and answering the call that he has presented to us. Living in a post-Christian era is what is causing loneliness and isolation. It makes me think of St. Paul's letter to the Romans. That first chapter where, if we were to summarize it, when the creature, you and I, turn our backs on God, the creature becomes unintelligible. When we turn our backs on the creator, the creature becomes unintelligible because we are no longer functioning in accordance with the eyes of the Creator who beholds us, who literally, think about this, this fact is mind-blowing. God, at every single moment of our life, holds us in existence, even while we are sinning, even while we are accomplishing great things and experiencing our happiest moments, our lowest moments. God is holding us in existence at that very moment. He is choosing out of an act of love for you and I to be alive. That's pretty incredible. Yet we ignore this fundamental fact. I ignore it. This is what we do. When we sin, sin's really the only thing that we do on our own. Yet it makes us the least ourselves. In a post-Christian era, loneliness and isolation increase. And I say post-Christian era because while there are a lot of people who label themselves as Catholic, Christian, etc., a lot of si- there's a lot of silence among Christians. 
There are many Christians unwilling to befriend people who are different from me. I struggle with this. Sometimes I'm not willing to befriend a person who's different from me. Or sometimes I'm not willing to enter into the challenge of it or to take the time. And again, everyone has a level of responsibility within their own community, within their own families. And we can't solve all the world's problems or all the problems in our social setting. But there are also a lot of Christians who are conforming to secularism, who are conforming to, it's almost as if there's a silent law of pop culture, a silence of isolation, of social media use, of binge watching, of just consuming content and socially engaging digitally, but not engaging face-to-face. That's why we have this crisis of isolation. I could talk about the facts surrounding how much technology we use, the damage it does to our body, how it's addictive, the dehumanization that pornography and technology lead to. We could go on and on. But rather than talking about all of that, we need to talk about what we need. And we need God. We need to get over ourselves. I need to get over myself. When things are difficult, when I'm frustrated, whether it's at home, in different relationships, it's all because life is often uncomfortable and I choose myself. People are difficult, including myself. I'm a sinner and I can be difficult to interact with and live with. But what do we need? We need to return to the vision of the human person God originally had in store. We need to stay connected to our family units. We need to serve local communities by embracing the people in our surroundings, and our communities. Those people whom God has left around us to embrace. We need to get off our phones and feel with the people around us. Not just the people in our home, but also the person at the grocery store who's checking out my groceries bagging my groceries, whatever it might be, even if they're having a bad day and not nice. And ideologically, they seem as if they have a radically different worldview than we do. I actually have an interesting story about that. For years, I was shopping at the same exact grocery store. I still do now that I'm back in California. And there was this young man who, let's see, back in maybe 2014, he... uh, You could tell he was going through something in his life. And as the months progressed, next thing you know, he started to grow out his hair. He would wear makeup on occasion. And I'll just tell you, he went through all kinds of different transformations to feminize his appearance, his voice. I'm going to guess he likely took cross-sex hormones at a certain point using testosterone blockers. Again, someone who lived a radically different life who was clearly struggling, yet I would see him maybe one to three times a week when I went to the grocery store and had the opportunity to say hello, know him by name, have a conversation. And not that I can make some big difference in his life per se by those simple interactions, but it's us seeing that loneliness and isolation is a problem and that there are people in our own community who are suffering and struggling. And those simple day-to-day momentary interactions, I couldn't solve his problems. I didn't even know him well enough to enter into the challenges of his life. But there could be those brief moments of encounter that we as human beings so desperately need. And so again, what do we need? We need God and we need to get over ourselves. 
So I said, serve your local community by embracing the people in your surrounding area. Stay connected to your family, even when it's difficult. Of course, not if it's unsafe and so damaging, but even when it's difficult, enter into those relationships. Get married, start a family, go to church, pray. We need God. I was really impressed by Kim Zember, who joined me here yesterday. She lived a lesbian lifestyle for years. She's Catholic, grew up Catholic, and now she is embracing what the Catholic Church teaches about human sexuality and is living a chaste lifestyle. And she kept commenting about how what we do today is we tend to try to fill the void of happiness and desire with friends, with a spouse, or various different things. And what we really need is God. And so she talked about how her struggle with same-sex attraction, living a lesbian lifestyle, her pull and draw, almost she refers to it in her book as an addiction to friendship, the end of the day she was trying to fill a void. And St. Augustine talks about this. Our souls are restless until they rest in Thee, O Lord. So we don't need a national strategy for social connection from the government for a new office on a federal level to treat loneliness and isolation. We need people of faith to live out the faith. I need to live out my faith and engage within the community I'm living in. And it's so easy to say, I'm too busy, I'm so busy. I am, you are but in those moment-to-moment experiences, those interactions, to still engage and embrace the people we're around. We don't always have time for long-form conversations, and trust me, I get it, there are some people who could talk your ear off, but we also need to know respectfully how to kindly walk away, and if they're hurt or offended or want to talk more, that's okay. We need to do the best that we can do. And so what we're going to do later on in the show is we're going to talk about the Eucharist and how the Eucharist is the answer to the social disconnect we are experiencing in society. We're going to unpack a little bit of a fabulous apostolic exhortation from Pope Benedict XVI. And before we go there, though, I want to connect all of this to the series we're doing on Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. It is our human anthropology. It's the answer to the crises of the culture we are facing, but of the crises of the interior turmoil we're experiencing between ourselves and others. That's why today on Trending in our Theology of the Body series, we're going to come back and we're going to dive into why communication is so damaged between you and I between us and our loved ones, between us and strangers. So stay with me. We'll be right back unpacking Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. What's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 
I was just talking about the news that came this summer and this act, the National Strategy for Social Connection Act, that's sitting in a Senate committee that, if passed, would actually create a federal office to combat loneliness and isolation. We don't need a federal office to combat this. We need God. We need to get over ourselves. I just explained all of this, but I think it really is tied into where we're at in our series of Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. He is inviting us to discover a sense of self that is so deeply rooted in God and intended by God from the beginning that we should take a moment of pause to listen to what he's saying. And in this specific talk, Catechetical Talk 29, Pope St. John Paul II is really focusing on this topic of why communication is damaged between men and women. And it really is a bird's eye view of unfolding this brokenness. Why, when I say something to my husband that I think is so clear, he doesn't understand it. And there might be this animosity that occurs in that dynamic. Why there's this turmoil between a radical feminist movement against this idea of patriarchy. Earlier this week, we dove into the lost sense of self that we have and that lost idea of simplicity and clarity that God intended for our bodies from the dawn of creation. And that was there prior to the fall and to which we need to rediscover in a grace-filled life. God has written his commandments on our hearts, but do we have the formed consciences to listen to our conscience, to listen in a rightly ordered way to our heart? With the fall of Adam and Eve, that is the turning of our backs on God's plan, we brought chaos and disorder and disorientation to ourselves, our sense of self, and our understanding of others. So now we have to unravel the meaning of our own bodies for our own sake and for communicating to others. Communication today comes with difficulty, whether it be communicating what we have to say to others, what we care about, whether it's difficulty in understanding other people or even simply cooperating with someone else or appreciating the differences in a, and communicating the appreciation for those differences rather than disliking, avoiding, criticizing, or as the American Psychological Association did, labeling, labeling differences between men and women as toxic. Prior to the fall, men and women carried each within their own bodies what Pope St. John Paul II says an original power of communicating themselves to each other. That's really powerful. This is a line from his theology of the body. He says that men and women prior to the fall, he says this, had a way of communicating each, to each other with an original power of communication within themselves. So in other words, understanding one another expressing your thoughts, expressing yourself to someone else was simple. But that's all been shattered with our fallen human nature, with concupiscence, even with the incredible sanctifying grace of the sacrament of baptism that wipes away the stain of original sin. We still have a fallen nature, concupiscence, that tendency towards sin, and we need to fight to remain in a state 
of sanctifying grace. My daughters are young, two and a half and eight months. And what's so powerful and frightening about being a mother is that the church actually beckons us as parents to preserve our children in their baptismal grace so that they do not lose it. And so that they are equipped with self-knowledge of their personal faults and challenges and with strengthening tools from prayer and the sacraments to concrete things to do to combat their own concupiscence, their own bad habits and tendency towards sin. The church actually historically has believed that you can form a child in very young years to know how to be preserved in grace. This is why historically many of our saints were so young. Today we often speak of how wisdom comes with age, and I do agree with that. I think the better way to say that is I think people often today say wisdom comes in hindsight. But if you look at the history of the saints, the saints are young. Many saints, not all of them, but many saints died young. I think of St. Maria Goretti. I think of St. Gianna, who was in the thick of being a mother. St. Maria Goretti, who died at a very young age. I think, was, was she 12? Very young. You look at St. Therese of Lisieux. We have many young saints. And so, that, again, that brings me back to this idea that communicating ourselves, our basic self-understanding was shattered. A simple understanding of communication was gone. I think about it. Sorry, gentlemen. I can no longer interpret your man grunts thanks to Adam and Eve. And ladies, the men just can't understand our tears or when we say we're fine. I jest, but kind of. Again, we don't understand each other and the way men and women really do communicate in radically different ways. After the fall, Adam and Eve first clothed themselves. It's the very first thing. God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. And prior to the fall, they were comfort in the midst of their nakedness. Once they took the apple, once they ate that fruit, that forbidden fruit, the first thing they did was hide themselves as God walked in the garden calling out to them. St. John Paul II says the man and the woman hide their own bodies before each other and especially their sexual differentiation. That is the reciprocal communion. That communion between each other was damaged. And think about it this way. It wasn't only damage between Adam and Eve. What happens when we sever our, our vertical relationship with God is all of our other relationships become disoriented and disordered between male and female between parent and child, between us and strangers, between us and how we use creation and created goods. Pope St. John Paul II says that what disappeared was the simplicity and purity of the original experience that before helped with a focus of the singular fullness of mutual self-communication. So what he says is there's a simplicity and purity within communicating that was abolished. He said the diversity of femaleness and maleness was lost. That is, 
the understanding of self-donation and the gratitude for the difference of others. So giving ourselves who are different from us to them and receiving others. I really find this line fascinating. The diversity of female and maleness was lost. What does that mean? It's funny because as we live in a culture that focuses so significantly on diversity and mandated diversity today, perhaps it's a step in the wrong direction in an effort for a step in the right direction. In the respect that perhaps we're talking about diversity in all the wrong ways when in reality the diversity that we need to embrace is actually a value of ourselves and a value of seeing others as a good even when different. So when Pope St. John Paul II talks about this diversity of femaleness and maleness being lost, what does this mean? We no longer understand ourselves, but we also struggle to communicate ourselves to others and to understand other people. If you're just joining me, you're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. We're unpacking Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body, unraveling the tangle that we created and what it means to be male and female at the fall, at the dawn of creation, or after the dawn of creation. The original value of who and what we were was so perfectly understood, that state of original innocence, as we've explained here on Trending. But even in the face of that fallen human nature, and that sinful choice you and I make over and over again, that blueprint of goodness, original goodness that God intended, that put us in a state of original happiness, it's still there. It's a blueprint. St. Paul talks about how it's written on the human heart. This is why when Jesus is approached and is discussing this idea of lust and committing adultery. He said that someone who even looks upon a woman to desire her has already committed adultery in his heart. Why did Jesus say this? Because the law of God is written on our hearts. Even in the midst of our brokenness, it's still there. We know better. The desire for God is there. And so is the desire for another person. We see this simply in the desire for marriage. We see this in a disordered way in the desire to have a person and mistakenly trying to find that person and create a false sense of, quote, marriage and same-sex relationships. Meaning is still written to our bodies. Yet we need God to help us reorient our own self-understanding and to bring order to the distorted and disoriented view we have of others and how we connect to them. What happened was we lost sight of God, but we also lost the image of God. God created us a male and female. God created us in his image and likeness. We've explained this in this series on Theology of the Body, and I hope that if you're just joining us, you've not been pulling into all of these talks that we posted on the trending podcast that you will go back and listen because that understanding of knowing that God created you in a state of original innocence it's empowering in the respect that we know this is God's view for us to see us as good and wonderfully made. But in the midst of our fallen nature, we have to be brought back into the order of Jesus Christ. And that is done by his church, done by his graces. And so when we talk about what's happening today, it's because we've not just lost sight of God. We've lost sight of the image of God within ourselves. 
Again, Romans chapter 1 summarizes the crises of our culture. We've turned our backs on the Creator, and so the creatures, you and I, become unintelligible. Pope St. John Paul II spent a lot of time in Theology of the Body talking about shame. It comes up over and over again. Shame is a word we really hate. I remember when I grew up in high school, being exposed to Theology of the Body, loved it. But it wasn't until I was in college that I actually read the text over a commentary. And the first time I read it, one of the things that really stood out to me was this idea of shame. And in 21st century, we don't like that word. We almost think that it's something wrong. It's almost a dirty word to us in our culture. But Pope St. John Paul II explains shame as a boundary experience that if we read in the sacred scripture prior to the fall, Adam and Eve were naked and they did not know shame. They weren't uncomfortable. It wasn't until after the fall they hide themselves. They try to clothe themselves. Yet with shame, with this understanding of clarity between the relationship of man and woman prior to the fall, we can actually better understand the role of shame as a good thing. Shame is a boundary experience post-fall. It allows us to understand better the original value of that unifying dimension of our bodies, that loss, original certainty of our relationships, of the sexual complementarity, the spousal meaning of the body, the purpose for our, the purpose for creating new life, that generative meaning, and that this is what we have to rediscover. Pope St. John Paul II says the imbalance of the original meaning of bodily unity manifests itself in shame. So that imbalance between man and woman and the imbalance within sexual complementarity, even though we still desire it, yet it's a distorted. It reveals itself in shame. That is fascinating. I challenge you to ponder within your own life where you experience shame and how the bandaid can be ripped off to point to the deeper wound going on rather than saying, I don't like being afraid. I don't like feeling objectified. I don't like seeing other people objectified. We shouldn't like any of those things, but instead go to the root, go to the deeper cause and problem within yourself rather than being annoyed by the feeling of your response. Pope St. John Paul II talks about the communion of persons was given up after the, because of the fall. In place of the original unitive and generative understanding of our bodies, suddenly, get this, we turned to a mere sensation of sexuality with regard to other human beings. So what happened? Instead of understanding the unitive element of our human sexuality, instead of understanding the generative dimension as the body unpacks, that is the ability to create new life and celebrating that that is part of marriage, not trying to get rid of it, not saying, you know, I want to get married, but I don't want to have children. Well, what's that? What is that? That's a disorientation from the blueprint for the body. And someone might say, okay, well, that's what God intended, but I don't think I'd be a good parent. I don't want to be a parent. Well, then don't get married. Because what happens is what Pope St. John Paul II says. Suddenly the body becomes, he says this, the mere sensation of sexuality with regard to the other human being. So we forfeit that incredible complementarity and self-communication and the generative life-creating dimension of sexuality, and we turn it into a sensation of sexuality with regard to the other human being. The mere sensation, that is pleasure, how you enjoy yourself. Enjoyment is wonderful, but that's not the purpose. 
That's not the end-all be-all. Mark Regnerus is a sociologist. He wrote a book called Cheap Sex. And in that book, I remember him commenting to something along the lines of how today the hookup culture and even many marriages how we interact as men and women and human sexuality it's like it's this is really raw and disgusting but it's like a pieces of meat rubbing up against each other i will never forget when i first heard that line because i was thinking about two steaks just rubbing up against each other and it was gross it was nasty you think of animals you think of animals who are mating and yet, if we have been un- unraveling the theology of the body with Pope St. John Paul II, we understand that in the creation account, something very fundamental that we talked about was that the original state of the human person, human person, himself, herself, is good and radically different and separate from the rest of creation, particularly animals. That's why the human person has dominion over the animals. And that we need to overcome this lost sense of who we are in this depravity of turning ourselves merely to, as Pope St. John Paul II says, the sensations that we're chasing. The law of God is written on our hearts. That's why in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says to look at that even for a man to look at a woman to desire her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Because we know better. We desire more. We have a sense of shame. A man has a sense of shame even in doing that. Yet the world says, stifle it, stifle it, ignore shame. Shame is a function. It's like the trigger law that God has written into our bodies to help us respond to the brokenness of our human nature. Pope St. John Paul II said in this 29th catechetical talk that we've been diving into today, that shame is the symptom of man's detachment from love. That is, prior to shame setting in after the fall, we fully, we no longer fully participated in the mystery of creation. We became detached from rightly ordered love. I think the takeaway is to understand that God's law is still written on our hearts, although we come to it in a more challenging way, that we need God's grace. We need to follow a well-formed heart and conscience. We need to regain that sense of trust in our bodies that God wrote into them, our body and soul. We need to rediscover the communication of our body so that we can communicate to others and embrace the grace God is presenting to us. Preserve that salvific grace that God has given to you. Go to confession. Don't waste your time trying to fill the void with getting your spouse to understand perfectly what you're trying to say. Don't waste your time by lamenting the fact that you're single and you wish you were married. Don't waste your time despairing over an, over an infertility crisis. Don't waste your time because your children aren't talking to you and you're alone. Don't waste your time. Fill yourself up with God. That will answer the crisis of loneliness and isolation that is happening today, but we have to embrace God and look at ourselves in the mirror and say, I have to reject this overemphasis on myself. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Let's talk about the solution. Let's talk about the answer. Later in the series of Theology of the Body, we will talk about the Eucharist, but I want to talk about the Eucharist now because the Eucharist is the answer of what we need in this loneliness 
and isolation and despair and languishing that people are experiencing today, that you are experiencing. Are you languishing? Are you sorrowful? Are you angry? Are you desiring a friend? Do you want the government to solve all your problems, such as this new governmental office potentially in the books for the National Strategy for Social Connection? No, we need to return to God. And that starts with part of the reason why there is a national revival on the body of Christ, the Eucharist. I'll be right back here on Trending. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. My two and a half year old was with me at breakfast. I often will, if I can't make it to daily mass, try to listen to mass. I love going to daily mass. If you've never gone to daily mass, I really encourage you to do so. There's something about the additional silence of daily mass and the early morning beginning of your day with mass. And even if you go in the evening, whenever you can go, I really encourage you to consider it. Anyway, I will often listen to mass now when I can't go. And on the feast day of St. Augustine, I was laughing so hard. <laughs> I texted my priest this actually. I texted him and said, the one word that my daughter took away from your homily was concubine <laughs> because he was talking about how St. Augustine had a concubine for many years. And then a couple days later, I think it was yesterday, we were listening to Mass during breakfast and the homily, and the word that she took away was sneaky, and she kept repeating sneaky. I said, okay, Father, this is much better. My daughter's takeaway word was concubine and not sneaky, which I just find so funny when our kids say funny little things that are scandalous words sometimes, or just words you wouldn't expect a two-and-a-half-year-old to say. Let's talk about the Eucharist, though. We've discussed today on trending and i hope that you'll go and listen to the podcast because this was one of those episodes that really is meant to be listened to in its entirety and if you're on your way home from work or cooking a meal whatever you're doing right now you will benefit from listening to it in its entirety it is a challenge for me it is a challenge for you what's happening happening what is the cure to loneliness and isolation in our culture that's what we're diving into there's a national strategy for social connection act sitting in the senate right now when it when the senate starts working through all of these various bills and acts this will be one of them i wouldn't be surprised if it's pushed forward i do not think we need a government department for loneliness and isolation that's what it would create and the answer is we need god and we need to get over ourselves and that's what we've discussed all hour and understanding why we struggle to get over ourselves. But the real answer is Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, in the sacrament of the Eucharist, that we receive him, body, blood, soul, and divinity. God alone completes us. Don't look for your spouse or a spouse to make you feel good. Don't look for a friend or your child or whoever it is to give you that affirmation, that contentedness that peace because they never will and if they do for a moment it is fleeting emotion is fleeting god alone satisfies fill up your life with god and i want to when i was thinking about this earlier today i kept thinking about this fabulous fabulous i really hope you will read it this fabulous apostolic exhortation by 
Pope Benedict XVI, the God rest his soul in peace. Pray for his soul. It's important to pray for the dead. In this apostolic exhortation, Sacramentum Caritatis, that is, the sacrament of charity, the sacrament of love. It is fantastic, and there is much to be said even of the very first paragraph of this. You could just sit for hours meditating on it. Pope Benedict XVI starts Sacramentum Caritatis saying, The mystery of faith. With these words spoken immediately... Oops, sorry, I'm reading from the wrong spot. This is what happens when I turn the wrong page. He says, <laughs> sorry, the sacrament of charity, the Holy Eucharist, is the gift that Jesus makes of himself, thus revealing to us God's infinite love for every man and woman. This wondrous sacrament makes manifest that greater love which led him to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus did indeed love them to the end. In those words, the evangelist, that is John in the Gospel of John, introduces Christ's act of immense humility. I want to pause there and we'll, um, we'll dive into this a little bit. So, Pope Emeritus Benedict is saying the sacrament of charity, that is the Holy Eucharist, is the gift that Jesus makes of himself for you and I, for every human being. Understand that Jesus Christ offered himself on the cross and with his sacrifice, he gave his entire body for you and I. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. God is giving us his very life. Pope Benedict then says, This reveals to us God's infinite love for every man and woman. Are you struggling? Are you lonely? Are you isolated? Are you looking for relationships, for people, for a baby, for a spouse, for someone, for your child, your adult child to fill your void? Look no further than God himself. This wondrous sacrament, Pope, Emeritus, or Pope Benedict says, makes manifest that greater love that led Jesus to lay down his life for his friends. We read in the Gospel of John that Jesus loved his friends and he loved them to the end. We read this in John chapter 13. What does it mean to love someone to the end? Well, Pope Benedict is saying, Pope Benedict XVI is saying that this is where John in his gospel is introducing us to Jesus Christ's act of what he calls immense humility. One way to better understand the Eucharist, to better understand the sacrifice, the giving of Jesus Christ's body to you and I on the cross, is by going back to the Last Supper. I remember when I was in college and in my theology class with Dr. Michael Barber, he would emphasize over and over again that the sacrifice of Calvary, the sacrifice on the cross, meant nothing if we didn't understand the Last Supper. Why? Because Jesus Christ is giving himself to us in the Eucharist. This is my body given up for you. This is my blood given up for you of the new and everlasting covenant. He wants us to live with us into eternity with him. But he's offering us his life here and now on earth. Did you know that you can live in a state of sanctifying grace here on earth? You can be a living, breathing saint now. Why don't we? What are we afraid of? 
we're afraid of is we're trying to meet every single one of our desires and that silent cultural law that's telling you what to do to be happy in pop culture. What is significant about The Last Supper is not only the word after word that we hear at Mass, this is my body given up for you, the words of consecration, the fact that God is telling us to literally eat His body and drink His blood. And if you have any doubt about the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist, just read John chapter 6. Jesus is telling us to gnaw on his flesh and to drink his blood. This was scandalous. This is why a lot of his followers walked away and never came back early on in his public ministry. Jesus in the washing of the feet at the Last Supper shows us something fundamental. And this is what we've been looking at all hour. That we need to get uncomfortable. We need God alone and we need to get over ourselves. What did Jesus do and how radical was it that he washed the feet of his disciples, of his apostles? He tied a towel around himself. He got down on the ground and he cleaned the feet of 12 filthy men. Why do I call them 12 filthy men? Because they lived at the time of Christ when cleanliness standards were different and the way people traveled by foot and often in sandals led to very dirty feet. I know a thing or two about this because some of my dearest friends have come from the Middle Eastern cultures. My husband's Lebanese and many of my friends came from the Chaldean culture. And it was interesting. I learned, I remember one day that it's rude to like put your, show the bottom of your shoe or the bottom of your foot to someone. And Part of that is part of this old culture understanding that feet were dirty and we should understand feet as dirty still. And so for Jesus to stoop down, to get down on the ground and wash the feet, this is why it was so humiliating for Peter. He's telling Jesus, God forbid you will wash my feet. And Jesus tells him, if you don't let me wash your feet, you will not have life within me. And so then Peter, who's always so dramatic, in my opinion, says, okay, Jesus, then wash all of me. And Jesus said, no, 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 your feet are enough. I'm okay just washing your feet. And yet that towel tied around Jesus' waist and his coming to the feet of his apostles and cleansing their feet was a symbol for us to get uncomfortable, to overcome this culture of loneliness and isolation, to not just tolerate people, but to embrace them even in their brokenness, even in their wrongness. Do not embrace the wrong, but to embrace the person. This is what Jesus does when he comes to us in the Eucharist. He offers his body and his soul to us. That's why John, the beloved apostle in the gospel according to John says that he laid down his life for his friends. And what did he do? He loved them to the end. Are we willing to do this too? Are we willing to break through the discomfort, the disorientation, disorder, and understand that God alone satisfies? We need His grace to overcome our brokenness. Pope Benedict says in this sacrament, that is the sacrament of the Eucharist, the Lord truly becomes food for us to sanctify our hunger for truth and freedom. He then goes on to say, what does our soul desire more passionately than truth? Each of us has an innate and 
irrepressible desire for ultimate and definitive truth. Why do we desire truth so desperately? Why is free speech something that we love as Americans? Because we're looking for truth. That's why we even tolerate scandalous things under free speech. What does our soul desire? Pope Benedict saying in this wonderful apostolic exhortation, Sacramentum Caritatis, that what we're searching for, what our soul so desperately needs is truth, and that truth is God himself. He said each of us has an innate and irrepressible desire for ultimate and definitive truth. Again, he said, in this sacrament, the sacrament of the Eucharist, the Lord truly becomes food for us to satisfy our hunger for truth and freedom. God alone satisfies. He is the only relationship that will ever lead you to peace, to joy, to tranquility, to freedom, freedom from anxiety, freedom from sorrow. When I talk about freedom from sorrow, I don't mean that we won't mourn what's happening. In fact, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount talks about blessed are those who mourn. What does that mean? To mourn that which separates us from God. I hope as we see in our churches this year, this call to the Eucharistic revival will have the Eucharistic Congress next summer in July in Indianapolis, that you'll join us. Perhaps not in person. That's okay. More importantly, that you join us in the Eucharist. You join us in the union with God himself. The more united we are to God, the more united we are to our neighbor. The better the orientation of the chaotic disorder within us. God alone satisfies. Will we only turn to him? Will we only turn to him? Jesus on the cross says he thirsts at a certain point and then he gives himself over to the Father. That's all he needed. He needed God. He needed God the Father. And we could unpack a whole idea of theology. Did God need anything? No, but in his humanity, he did need something. But in his divinity, he needed nothing. Our fallen human nature needs God. We cry out for God. This is why Jesus, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, said to God the Father in prayer, if you can, if you will, let this cup pass from me. Let this suffering, that even in, as Jesus was human and divine, that human dimension of him was saying, I don't want this. I'd rather turn in on myself and be comfortable. Did he know because he's Jesus Christ and he's God? But look what the life of God can do in your life to radically transform every disorientation, every self-seeking desire. Are you struggling? Are you addicted? Are you sorrowful? Are you despairing? Whatever is going on, the solution isn't some medical technology. The solution isn't that new relationship. The solution is God alone. So join us up next for Family Rosary Across America. And if you can, receive the Eucharist more often. Go to Daily Mass. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. Friday, Dr. Susan Caldwell will join me to share her story. It's not an easy one. She couldn't have children. She actually turned to in vitro fertilization. She'll share her story of infertility and how even when children came from reproductive technology treatment, IVF, that the church opposes, how she came back into her Catholic faith and embraced the limits the church places on fertility treatment. Join me Friday, 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio.